Well, Felita inspired me to tell you a little bit about my own experience on the parade route. It was a real honor to be with the pastors, um, an event that was sponsored by the community, uh, Clergy Community Coalition to bring the pastors together to pray over the event on New Year's Eve. And we prayed in front of the Tournament of Roses house. And then we walked up to the corner of Orange Grove in Colorado where we prayed again. And in that walk up, they cordoned, the motorcycle police cordoned off the traffic for us so that we could walk on the northbound side of Orange Grove, the whole street. And so the pastors, we were feeling ourselves, and the pastors were waving at the people who were already saving spots. And, we, and one of them said, the parade has begun. There's more to come, but the parade has begun. So I just wanted Felita to know that I was in the parade long before, the day before she was. Uh, but I was just so looking forward to spending time with Jesus on the parade route in prayer and, um, and meeting new pastors. And it was, it was the first time and hopefully not the last time that the term that in cooperation with the Terminament of Roses that the pastors of Pasadena had this opportunity to pray. So, so happy new year. Does anybody have one word to describe how you feel about the new year? Hope. Happy. Blessed. Togetherness. I heard something, relief or something? Relieved. Still here. Still here. Yes, yes. Yep. Yep, in the church, we're all here. Okay, my question, my question as we turn the calendar page is, but is the new year really new? Isn't it the same old, same old? I was reading a Christmas letter and at the beginning it says, being stuck in the never ending pandemic cycle, I feel like we can say in the same breath, nothing has changed and everything has changed and both are true. Oh, that was my own Christmas letter I just quoted to you. <laughs> but I have read several others with similar sentiments. Have you ever felt this way? The New York Times published their, a list of their most read articles of the year 2021. And number one on the list was an article that, quote, captured the ennui, captured the ennui that many people felt during the second year of the pandemic. There's a name for the blah you're feeling, the article's headline put it. It's called languishing. In the article, Adam Grant, a psychologist and author, described languishing as the neglected middle child of mental health and the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. And he concluded by acknowledging that so many of us are languishing, we can start giving voice to quiet despair and lighting a path out of the void. So maybe it was the past month of holiday celebrations that put us out of sorts. You know, the holidays are not cheery for everyone. And the struggle for de with depression is all the more acute when people around appear to be happy. 
or maybe it's the holidays are over and now we must face reality. We go back to school, back to work, back to paying the bills. Ugh, the worst. Oh, back to normal, back to boring routines. Some people, though, are breezing into 2022, cheerful, resolute, picking up a new discipline, ready to change. I wish that was all of us. We may be on different pages, but we have come to worship and we have come to connect to God. And God has something for each one of us here. And our theme for today is old and new. Old and new. Our passage, first passage, might capture some people's sentiments. We're going to read from Ecclesiastes, starting with verse 1. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, and many people think that because of this first verse that King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, some people think it was written hundreds of years later and attributed to King Solomon. But the writer writes, vanity of vanities, says the teacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Another way of saying vanity is meaningless absurdity the thing which cannot be made intelligible, that which does not make sense in the end. All is vanity, our writer says. Verse three, what do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? Now, what kind of a sad question is this very first mention of what constitutes vanity, of what brings unhappiness and meaninglessness? The implication is that there is no gain from work if everything is vanity. What do people gain from their toil? The rhetorical uh, answer to that rhetorical question is nothing. And this kind of gives us an idea of the tenor of this writing. So there's more. Uh, verse 4. A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north and around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. Oh. To, to the place where the streams flow, where they continue to flow, all things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? Psst. It has already been in the ages before us. The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after, after them. You know, the whole, the passage, the whole book really continues into this downward spiral. And part of me thinks that the writer must have been very old. He could have written, been there, done that which is said by people who have had a full life and are now measuring this one new enticing experience before them that they've actually had before and they measure it against their comfort level and they decide, oh, been there, done that, I would rather stay at home, choose comfort. My other thought is that this must have been written by a wealthy man of privilege who has indulged in every whim and now finds that those previous delights are lacking in fulfillment and satisfaction. Um, poorer people 
tend to know the futility of toil all too well. Toiling under the sun and not getting one step forward. We know that feeling. But they might be able to think of new experiences that they would love to have, of sights that they have not seen or much left still to hear. Coming at life from below is different than coming at life from above, from overabundance, and it changes one's perspective dramatically. And yet, whatever our circumstances, we understand what this writer is expressing. There is nothing new under the sun. Are you feeling this at the start of a, a new year? Oh, we had such hopes for 2021, didn't we? Remember a year ago? The vaccines were rolling out. We were supposed to return to normal by summer, but here we are again in the same place one year later. A commentator said about Ecclesiastes, first chapter, a tedious cycle of non-achievement. By verse 10, readers are exhausted by the monotony of it all. So it's a very well-known feeling that our writer has captured, but it is not all that the Bible has to say about old and new. Our next passage comes from Lamentations, and true to its name, it's a litany of woes, a cry of suffering and pain. And if we were to label anything of vanity, an absurdity, a senselessness, surely it would be suffering and pain. And yet in the middle of all that bleakness and despair, we read in Lamentations 3, verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Nothing new under the sun? Teacher, preacher, great King Solomon, have you forgotten that the steadfast love and mercies of God are new? Have you forgotten the amazing truth that God himself greets us with a heaping helping of steadfast love and mercy? And not just when we receive the gift of forgiveness and relationship. No, God's love and mercies are new when? And not just when we, when we mess up royally. And I guess King Solomon knew a little something about messing up royally. But not just then, God's love and mercies are new. And not just twice a year. I didn't get to that yet. <laughs> My waste removal people, Athens, they graciously will remove extra large bulky item trash for free for twice a year. So what happens in my house, now this has been out there for about three weeks. We try to save our bulky trash up and add everything to it until we have amassed as much of it as possible so that, because we only get two of those trash removals for free in a year's time, and we just can't use them up for one thing. So we collect. I feel there's an analogy to our life here, that we have trash that God needs to take away, and maybe part of our blahness 
in the new years is that we have put our finger on some trash that we know has to be removed and we have tried removing it in 2021 but we have only wrestled it as far as the curb and there it sits for all our neighbors to see and comment on one of my neighbors sent me a little note <laughs> telling me you know Athens picks up that all you have to do is call them that was Joyce Spencer, my neighbor. <laughs> there it sits for all the neighbors to see this trash that we have been saving up for the rare two days a year of free removal. But look at your God. He is not a twice a year generous remover of trash. No, he will take it each and every day and in return give you what? What? He will give you what? And God's love and mercy are new when? There we go. Now, there we go. Brand new love and perfect love. Brand new mercy. As if you hadn't just needed his love and mercies yesterday and helped yourself to a generous, gluttonous portion. And now you need it all over again. So are you working through self-loathing and shame? Receive God's love and mercies instead. Do you find yourself in the grip of sin? Receive God's love and mercy instead and know that when you have failed again, which is to say tomorrow, God will have more love and mercy for you when you turn back to him in repentance. Have negative words from your past stuck? Are they bothering you? Receive God's love and mercy instead. Replace those words. Swap them out for God's love instead. Do you need a fresh start? A flip of a calendar page will not do it. Receive God's love and mercies. New every morning. Every morning we get a restart. We get a fresh infusion of newness in the form of God's love and mercies. Thank you, God. Now we have one more passage on old and new to start our new year off. And this is from Revelations chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. The old man, the apostle John, had a vision of a future society where all wrong, all the evil is removed. And that word new 
which permeates Revelation suggests a fresh rising from the decay and the wreck of the old. But new is also something new in kind, something hitherto unknown. The first things, and we are living with the first earth and the first heaven, these first things have passed away in John's vision, and there is a new heaven and a new earth. The one passing into the other suggests some kind of continuity for us, a new creation of the material world, but the sea is no more, and the sea was symbolic of evil, of chaos, of brutal, uh, treacherous force. The sea is completely gone, and this shows a disconnect between our first world and the new world. And so there is at the same time a connection and a disconnect between the old earth and the new earth. And when we try to imagine it, this new earth and this new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven, which really represents the church, stands in for the church. The new Jerusalem is described as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, if you have been married, after you've been married a little while, the scales are off, right? But think back to the wedding day. That is a long planned for, eagerly awaited, eagerly anticipated big party. And for many people, it is the biggest party they will ever throw in their life. And the bride is adorned for her husband. That is a picture of love, commitment, intimacy, fidelity, to think of us fully ready to meet God. I mean, right now the scales are gone from our eyes in our relationship in our knowledge of ourselves, in our relationship with God. But think of us fully ready to meet God in an atmosphere of love and joy. And maybe this whole life, as Felita has suggested, it has been a preparation for that big party. That beautiful picture speaks to a complete transformation of us inside and out if we are to be ready to meet the Lord as a bride prepared for her husband. This is a new earth where God wipes away tears, where death itself experiences an eternal death, where mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Give me a word for the dysfunction of this world that is to be no more in the new heaven and the earth. What word comes to your mind? What? No, I'm talking about this world. Evil. Evil. Yes. What else will be no more? Challenges. Challenges. What? Grief. 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 Pain. Pain. Decay. Decay. Mental illness. So, what? Addiction. Oh. Homelessness, somebody, miscommunication. Oh my goodness, a world in which there is no miscommunication. Suffering, anguish, loneliness, lack of love, hurt, brokenness, injustice, unfairness, oppression, abuse is no more. These awful horrors belong to the first 
things which have died along with death itself can we even imagine? And the reason that this new heaven and new earth can be is because of God's presence in a new way. God dwells among mortals. God tabernacles is that word, among mortals. And we know a little bit about this because Jesus, the word dwelt and tabernacled among us. And so that was a little foretaste of what it's gonna be. But God's presence is to come in a new way where any distance that we feel, any distance between us is eradicated because notice that it is God's hand, God's finger wiping away our tears. There is no distance there between us and God, the presence of God. Can you imagine it? I want to look again at verse five. And the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. Now there have been a lot of words, a lot of messages and revelations up to this point, but these are God's word. God's words himself coming from the throne, which put those words on a different level. And for the sake of making sense in English, the word order has been changed, but I wanted you to see that in the Greek, it reads the first word he do see, see behold, that means pay attention, that's God going, listen, listen. God's voice from the throne, pay attention. And then the next word is new, new, I will make, I make all. New, I make all. Well, that doesn't make sense in English, that order of things. But in the Greek, you can put that word first, new, to show that that's where the emphasis of the sentence is. So God is up to something new. God is up to something new. And I'm pretty sure that all of our collective imaginations will fail when we try to envision God's new work. You know, we can get little pictures, little glimpses of the full picture, not the full picture itself, but these slivers of truth can carry us far in hope and in faith and in comfort because God is up to something new. And God's new will affect all things. That little word all, we should pay attention to it when we see it in the Bible. It's an all which blows up that promise exponentially. This little word tells us that God's plan includes everything. God's plan is big and wide, includes you and me to the ends of the earth. There is no corner of creation that is beyond the all of God's new work. And one more interesting note, the, verbs, the verb is in the present. God is making, I am making, God says. Not, I will make things new in the future in some distant time. I will make something new when I get around to it. No, God's voice from the throne says, I am making all things new. Present tense, ongoing process. So even now God is up to something new, even before the first things have passed. So how do we walk into the new year? With expectancies, with resolutions, with blahness, 
There is nothing new under the sun. The teacher got it only partly right, which means to say he's really entirely wrong. One commentator said, our faith should challenge us to face up to the ultimate absurdity of life and to impose meaning upon existence through acts of courage, loving kindness, and compassion. Acts of faith participate in the eternal reality of the love of God, which is revealed in the courage and compassion of Jesus Christ. Acts and attitudes that emulate God give meaning to God's first created order and prepare us even now to live securely in the embrace of God's steadfast love and mercies. So if we are to live, really live in 2022, we will need an overabundance of God's everlasting love and mercies. Can we say amen to that? Amen. An overabundance. And I praise God that he is a God of overabundance. So I wanted to suggest to you today a prayer that I have been taking with me into each new day as we turn this corner, as we welcome a new year. Dear Lord, thank you for your steadfast love and mercies which you give to me new every morning. This morning, today. And I'm gonna need it for what, to face what today brings. And the extra measure that you give me, I will not hoard for myself because I know I'll have some tomorrow. So I will do my best to give some away today. Amen. And I'm asking you if you can pray this prayer this week and on into the new year with me. Because God is up to something new in 2022. He's up to something new in our lives. He's up to something new at Altadena Baptist Church. In our community, in our world, God is up to something new. And I am ready for something new. Are you? Yes. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we are hungry for something new from you. We want something new from you. So we receive today with open hearts your steadfast love and your mercy, which is new every morning. It is still morning. We have five more minutes to accept your new steadfast love and your mercies this morning. And we pray for your something new in us, in this church, in our community, in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.